You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Good evening, everyone. It's good for you to be here this evening. And those watching online or even those listening, listening back later on during the week, just a phrase David started with, I think it's worthwhile reminding ourselves about is maybe people skip through this first part. But that quote David heard during the week, it's not our seated capacity, but our sending capacity as a church. And tonight we're thinking about ascending church. And you know, many people have spoken to me already about where I'm going to be. And they will say, oh, that's such and such a church. Well, it was a a liberal church or they're a, a good praying church. And they all get all kinds of labels. But in North Carolina, in America, there's a pastor there, J.D. Greer. Many, some people might have heard of him. And well, his church, Summit Church, well, they are ascending church. That is their motto, as it were. Why the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, that is their focus. Every Sunday, they want to have a mission output. They want to send people into the mission field. And in 18 years, they've sent 1,000 plus people to serve the Lord. Now, it is a big congregation, as you can imagine. Because their focus every week to be ascending church. And well, as we read Acts 11, as we've studied in this, the, the church that Jesus is building, we've been learning that we had to be a, a, a praying church, a generous church. We are to be an organized church. And these are all characteristics of what a church should look like. And tonight we come to think about ascending church. Uh, Union Road to be ascending church. Le Comfort to be ascending church. And in both congregations, we know that we have many mission interests, don't we? We send people off on teams to go and serve down south or in Europe, and that is good. We are very generous in our giving to the mission field, aren't we? We give and support many people. Many of us will have served in different camps and and schism camps over summer months, and that is all very good. But we need to be sending people away as well. To say thank you, but go. That is what ascending church is. Ascending church is a church which sends its best people to go and serve the Lord somewhere else. Why? Because ascending church, La Comfort and Union Road churches, they understand that we're not building La Comfort and Union Road church. We're building, in fact, Jesus is building his church. It's a a bigger picture than just Macrofelt, Desert Martin, but the world in view. So as we think about ascending church tonight, we're going to look at Acts uh, chapter 11 together. uh, A couple of things about Jerusalem and Antioch, about what's going on in the context, and then we'll think about what that means for us uh, just now. But the first thing we see in verse 19, uh, it helps us here in the context, is persecution sends out the believers. In verse 19, we were reminded of what happened with Stephen. He was stoned, and the result of that was intense persecution for the believers in Jerusalem. And here, as believers are are moving all over the world, the known world, as far as Cyprus and Antioch. Luke takes us right into Antioch, the third city in the empire, Rome, Alexandria, Antioch. 800,000 people. It's a a business city. It's cosmopolitan. There's people from all over here in this city. And this is where Luke takes us to. And persecution sends the believers out. 
Persecution is sending them to reach all the world. Persecution is working out God's plan. In Acts 1 verse 8, do you remember that Jesus tells his disciples to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? Well, here what seems like a bad thing of persecution is sending the believers out. It's a good thing. God is moving. How? Through persecution. Sending the believers out to proclaim Jesus. So persecution sends the believers out. And when the believers arrive in Antioch, what do they do? It's all well and good people being sent out. But what do the people do in Antioch? Well, the believers send out the word, don't they? Verses 20 and 21. Despite all the persecution, all the, the intimidation and fear that they have all faced, they've been told to be quiet. They've been told to, well, be quiet or we'll kill you. There's these murderous threats. And yet, despite it all, despite all these murderous threats, their lives on the line, what do they do when they get to Antioch? Are they quiet? No. They send out the word. They talk constantly about Jesus. We read in verse 20 about the Jews speaking to the Jews. People who've come to know the Messiah, Jesus from Jerusalem, come to Antioch, talk to the Jews, talk to them about Jesus, the Messiah, and they believe. And we know the church in Jerusalem, not all were Jew convertees. We, in Acts 6, we, are, are, we, we meet with Nicholas, who's a proselyte. He's a, he's a pagan from Antioch. He's Greek. And what do the Greeks do whenever they leave Jerusalem? What do the Greek Christians do? Verse 21, they go and they, verse 20 again, they preach the Lord Jesus to the other Greeks. It's who you know best, the culture you know best, you go and talk to them about Jesus. And that's what they're all about. They're all about talking about Jesus. And when they preach Jesus, as we've seen the whole way through the book of Acts, when the Lord Jesus is preached, when people hear about Jesus, what happens? The Lord blesses them, doesn't he? People, when they hear about Jesus, believe in the Lord Jesus. And that's what happens. Later, Paul will write, how will they believe if they do not hear? They need to hear, and the Lord blesses them. But that's our, our context for what is happening. Persecution sends the believers out. The believers then send the word out. But as the word goes out, as Antioch has this remarkable uh, number of conversions, as there is a, a revival, if you like, in Antioch, where people come to know the Lord Jesus, word gets back to Jerusalem. And what did Jerusalem do? Well, Jerusalem sends Barnabas, don't they? Jerusalem sends Barnabas to Antioch. Jerusalem hears and they send someone to see what's going on exactly. Previously in Acts, Peter and John, they go to see how Philip is getting on and report back how Philip is getting on. And Jerusalem sends Barnabas. Why Barnabas? There's maybe a couple of reasons for it, but in Acts 4, we know him to be generous. You remember he sold what he had and laid it down at the apostles' feet. But he's also a man who's a believer, who's full of wisdom and is full of concern for the Lord's work. Whenever Saul is converted, whenever Saul is taken to meet the apostles for the first time, the men he'd been chasing after just previously, do you know who takes Saul to the apostles? It's Barnabas. Barnabas is wise and gracious. He's concerned. And well, what does Barnabas do when he is sent? 
Well, the first thing he does is he encourages, doesn't he? Verse 23. He encourages the believers to remain steadfast, to remain true in the Lord. Barnabas goes, he sees the Lord at work, and he's amazed. He sees God's grace in it all, and he encourages them. Barnabas is really living up to his name here. In Acts 4, we're told that he was Joseph from Cyprus, but the apostles call him Barnabas, son of encouragement. And here, Barnabas lives up to his name, and he encourages the believers in all the difficulties that they face, all the temptation that's all around them, the moral relaxation, if you like, of the city of Antioch. Barnabas says, keep going. Remain steadfast in the Lord. Again, Paul will later write in 1 Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another and build each other up as you are doing. And just a side point, how can we be building each other up? We need to be encouragers just like Barnabas. Jerusalem sends Barnabas to Antioch and he's sent to encourage them. But he's also sent to equip them, isn't he? In verse 24 and 25, Barnabas, he sees the great need of these New conversions having to be discipled. They need to learn what it is to live like Jesus and to live for Jesus. So Barnabas, although he's sent by Jerusalem, he goes off. And who does he bring back? He brings back Saul, doesn't he? He has to go find Saul in Tarsus and brings him back. And they bring them back. They spend time. Was it one year, a whole year teaching the church? A whole year listening to these great teachers equipping the saints of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to live in their society. And they equipped the saints. They equipped the saints so that they were able to evangelize, that they're able to, to go out into the city and to talk to people. They are equipped for it. And well, verse 24 tells us that they continue to be added to their number constantly throughout this. As Barnabas is sent, the Lord continues to bless. Why? Because Jesus' name is being proclaimed. Jerusalem sends Barnabas. Jerusalem sends Barnabas to help. That's what Jerusalem does. And as Barnabas is teaching on Saul or teaching the church, the church in Antioch, well, they get that, that sending DNA. In verses 27 to 30, Antioch sends relief to Jerusalem. We have this prophet who is still at work in the in the early church at this time, and they speak of a famine, a worldwide famine in the Roman Empire. And what do the believers do? How do they respond? They send resources. Because you, can you imagine in Jerusalem, as there's persecution going down, that it would be easier for the rich to, to leave Jerusalem? They can maybe sell up and rock up somewhere else and buy somewhere and live somewhere peacefully, maybe a change of job and role. Be much harder for the widow and the poor, wouldn't it? And here they, they send uh, resources away, and well, we do that, don't we? I've even mentioned that already with our, our missionaries. We think, uh, you know, Colin Jenkins' car, the Sasko's apartment, our, our giving in the our United Appeal for PCI, our moderator's appeal for one off instances, constantly giving away, sending away resources. And Antioch sends relief to Jerusalem. To be a sending church, it's not just sending money, is it? A couple of weeks ago, we thought about uh, being a generous church. And we can be generous with our gifts and so on, but to be a generous church means to give money. 
And well, to be a sending church, yes, it means to, to give money, but it's also to send people. And that's exactly what Antioch do then. Antioch send Barnabas and Saul. So if you're still following in your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13, verses 1 to 4. So Antioch has been discipled. They've learned about the Lord Jesus. They've learned what it means to live for Jesus. And then in Acts 13, we read this. Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, eh, Manian, the lifelong friend of Herod and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down. So they, they were sent away. It's not a remarkable thing for the church in Antioch to do, isn't it? They've just heard the news about Jesus. They've had one year of probably the best teaching you could ever imagine with Barnabas and Saul. And what did Antioch do? They send them off. Antioch didn't hold on to their influential people, did they? Can you imagine how influential Saul or Barnabas would have been? How encouraging Barnabas would have been for a sinner? You go to Barnabas, oh, Barnabas, I, I failed again with my family. Barnabas, arm around the shoulder, says, keep going for the Lord. They have this wonderful teaching from Saul and Barnabas, but they don't hold on to their influential people. These elders, it seems, in Antioch, couldn't they have been praying together? Couldn't they have said to everybody else, these are our two men. These guys are going nowhere. It would have been easy for them to stay, wouldn't it? They seem to be on to a good thing. But it would have been selfish to keep them. Why would it have been selfish to keep them? Because they're not thinking about the Antioch church. They're thinking of Jesus' church. Jesus' church, which is expanding and growing all over the world. They're not just thinking about Antioch, but thinking of the world. And that's why they say, thank you, but go. Thank you, Saul and Barnabas, but it's time for you to go. And when the church sends Saul and Barnabas away, it's not just the church that sends them, is it? It's the Holy Spirit as well. And in verse 4, we read that. It's the Holy Spirit that is sending Saul and Barnabas away through the church. In Matthew 18, Jesus is talking about church discipline. And they're very famous uh, words, he says, where two or three are gathered, there I am among them. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, whenever there's a church discipline issue, when the elders are meeting together and praying about the situation, whatever they decide is, well, God's decision, because we're living stones, the Holy Spirit's living in us, and what the church decides is God's will. And it's the same here. As the elders and leaders meet and pray, as they have this sense and they hear the Holy Spirit say to them, set aside Saul and Barnabas and tell them to go. The church is sending them, but it is the Holy Spirit that sends them. Antioch is the model church in sending people away. They say, thank you, but go bless somewhere else. 
God will use you somewhere else. Yes, you might be our best people, as it were. You might be our most influential people. You might have the most potential. We can see you being here for 30, 40 years, doing so much for the church in Antioch. But go. You're not selfish. You're saying them, thank you, but go. On the Comfort and Union Road, we are to be ascending church. The question has to be asked, are we ascending church? Are we? Who are the people we are going to send? Antioch sends their two main guys away, and they go and proclaim Jesus wherever they go to. And we need to be praying, all of us together, leaders included, who is going to go? Saul and Barnabas get a tap on the shoulder from these men and say, thank you, but go. And who's going to get the tap on the shoulder? And we're going to say to them, thank you, but go. Many years ago, now it is, whenever I applied for ministry, I spoke in, I can take you to the spot in Margaret Hill with Dr. McGahey, who some of you will know, late Dr. McGahey, about my call to ministry. And he said, David, wherever you go, there is no greater privilege than sharing Jesus. There is no greater privilege than sharing Jesus. And isn't he right? We have this most wonderful good news that believers are being persecuted, their lives in their line, and what do they do? Talk about Jesus. There's no greater privilege for us than to talk about Jesus. But who's going to go away? Young people, young families, have you prayed where you could serve? Or are you just going to be always receiving, as it were, taking all that's given to you rather than serving. If you're single, married, young families, as we thought about Chris uh, and Rachel Humphreys as well, whatever age we are, there's a couple of Margaret Hill left whenever they're nearly 60 to go serve the Lord in the mission field. Wherever you serve the Lord, we need to be serving the Lord. Not just always receiving, but we need to, to go. Don't end up get going all worldly on us. What do I mean? They'll be playing the what-if game. If I stay here, I'll be on such and such a wage. If I stay here, my family will go to this school. If I stay here, you can do that all day. We can come up with a million excuses. But what is our priority as a Christian? What is our first and greatest love? Surely it is Jesus. As a Christian, our first love must be Jesus. We are to serve the Lord. We are to send people away. Our best people to be sent away to serve the Lord. If you're good at languages, go and serve the Lord. If you're not good at languages, go and serve the Lord and learn what language like Chris and Rachel are doing. Barnabas and Saul, they're told to go. They say, thank you so much for all that you've done for us, but it's now time for you to leave. Barnabas and Saul, they aren't irreplaceable. Other people will fulfill their role because they've equipped the people so well. Whoever it is to go from the Comfort or Union Road, don't feel you're irreplaceable. Don't let that hold you back. We need to be sending our best people to go. We need to be sending you to, maybe it's a small church locally that needs to be blessed. 
Maybe it is to an unreached people group or another nation. Let's send our best people to go. We are to be ascending church. Why? Well, because God's ascending God, isn't he? God is ascending God. God has missions. What is his mission? What is it? The, the Father sends the Son, doesn't he? God gave his one and only Son. He gave us, he sent his Son to what? Redeem a people from the, the highest of heights, from the, the glory of heaven, from the riches of heaven, and crowned in splendor and majesty to the filth of a manger, to the hellish cross. God sent his Son for us. How would we not want to share that? Like the people in Antioch, even though they're persecuted, they go and they want to share about Jesus. The Father sends the Son for us so that we might have life. The Father and the Son send the Spirit. We have this eternal life, but we are not left alone in this dark world. We're being pulled pillar to post. We don't know whether we're coming or going. We're, we're temptations all around us. We are not alone. The Spirit is here to help us. He's our helper in our service. He's our helper in sanctifying us. He's our helper in telling us where we can serve or where we can go. And God is ascending God. He sends the Son. The Father and Son send the Spirit. But the triune God sends his people into the world. God sends his people into the world. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations, go go, go. God sends his people into the world. Why? That's the way God has chosen to work. And his name is preached and his people go. The hand of the Lord is with them. We started this year 2021 with a verse that we haven't heard about in a little while. John 20, 21. I wonder, do you remember it? Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We are to be ascending church from Bali Ronan to Brazil, Tobermore to Tanzania, wherever it might be and ever in between. Why? Because we're not building Union Road Church or La Comfort Church, but we're seeking to glorify Jesus throughout the world. It's Christ's church that is being built. We are to be ascending church. Some of us will have to have chat at home, won't we? with a husband or a wife, a father and a, a son or a daughter, because some of our best people need to go. Don't be surprised if you end up with a tap on the shoulder saying, have you considered about going? Don't list the excuses of the world. Those 100 people, what, 33 of them were Christian. Was that 67 People in that video means 67% of the world do not know Jesus. Where are they going to go? They're going to hell. They're going to hell if we don't go. Let's be ascending church to praise our Savior Jesus. Mm -hmm.